0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Come experience what the Constitution means to me at Paramount's Copley Theater in downtown Aurora from October 4th to November 12th. What the Constitution means to me is hilarious, heartbreaking, and insightful. Tickets are available starting at $40 online now at ParamountAurora.com. That's ParamountAurora.com.
2: Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Tuesday, September 12th, starts now. On today's show, Ben welcomes back CTU President and Vice President of the Illinois Federation of Teachers, Stacy Davis Gates. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what's going on in the news. It's all at ChicagoReader.com, so head on over. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky, you can find him there. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S-K-Y.
1: Hello everybody, Ben Jarowski here. We're calling this Bears Bad Tuesday, and here's why. Because you know why? The Bears are bad. The Chicago Bears, my beloved Chicago Bears, a team that I have been supporting since 1966, ladies and gentlemen. Since before my distinguished guest, Stacey Davis Gates, was even born, I was supporting this team. I've been a Bears fan since forever. Gail Sayers, Dick Buckus, Dick Gordon, Ed Obradovich, on and on and on. You've got Abe Gibran. I love Dave Walter Payton. That performance on Sunday was absolutely dreadful. Now, most of my listeners are political junkies going, Ben, why are you talking about sports? We want to talk politics. We want to hear Stacey Davis-Gates. Well, let me just say this. All right, I'll tie it all together. Okay, I'll tie it all together. At that game, at that Bears game, I saw this on um, social media, was Mayor Brandon Johnson. And right now, Mayor Brandon Johnson, is Mayor of the City of Chicago, has been uh, chatting, if you will, polite chit-chats or sit-downs from time to time uh, with Kevin Warren, who is the uh, CEO of the Chicago Bears. And the Bears are trying to play Chicago against Arlington Heights and all these other suburbs in a battle for seeing who's going to give them the most money uh, to build the Bears the stadium they want. Who is going to offer the greatest public subsidy, underwriting the costs of that stadium, so that the Bears make even more money? And I'm kind of like a flag in the wind, flapping on this <laughs> Uh Generally, I'm against any public subsidy uh, for a uh, football team, any sporting team for that matter. They make so much money anyway. They don't need our money, and we have a lot of uses and needs for that money. On the other hand, there is the abandoned steel uh, site, at, uh, what is it, 87th and uh, Lake uh, Michigan on the south side of Chicago that's in dire, desperate need to be cleaned up. So I'm like, okay, if we could figure out doing uh, building the Bears and cleaning up that site and doing it in such a way that it benefits the community. Uh, got the site up anyway. Sooner or later, people, we just can't let it be a toxic site for all these years like we have. But after that performance on Sunday, I don't even know if I could cling to that. Fantasy anymore of spending public dollars. At some point, there has to be like a, how do I explain this? Like a quid pro quo here. Like we're going to give the Bears money. They got to give us something relatively good on the football field. And that was so bad in every way coaching, quarterbacking, defense. The guys that they selected didn't work out. And I don't know. Can we afford as a society just to throw money? at operations that are so bad anyway mayor brandon johnson i know you're a diehard fan of this show and you listen to us all the time and you're probably going to listen to this episode if none other then hear me out next time you talk to kevin warren which is what i want to say kevin warner not a nickel and you come up with a better offensive strategy than that one uh we had a suffer-through on Sunday. Oh, without further ado, Stacey Davis-Gates, president of the Chicago Teachers Union, is uh, ready to uh, jump aboard. Stacy, before I uh, take the deep dive on all the questions affecting you uh, in the day, first of all, thank you for returning to my humble little podcast. Second of all, do you agree with me that the Bears should got, not get one nickel until they put a productive team on the field? Stacey Davis-Gates.
0: It is week one. You know what I was thinking about after uh, the football game? The amount of resilience that um, these athletes have to have in order to like perform week after week, um, like it's everyone has an opinion. The people on the bus, the people on the train, the people with microphones, the people with ink pens, the people with type, well, <laughs> computers, not typewriters, the people with social media. It's um, you know I was just thinking about their practice of resilience. And I wonder what it is and how we can unpack it, especially quarterbacks um, and in particular black quarterbacks. Like what is there? How do they practice resilience and what do they do? Because I do think there is a particular type of intensity to the critique that they receive.
1: Does that mean you should give a nickel? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> I mean, when you're all said and done, okay, man, you you are a coach. You're you know a fan of sports. You know you can't like have a, a line in the sand after the first game. Um, and what a game it was on both sides of that uh, ball. It was a different look, a different complexion to the game, if you will. Um, I was kind of mesmerized by that. Look, we got to get it together. You know, people want a winning team. I I get that and. I'm willing to, like, look, I bought my Justin uh, jersey when he got drafted. You know, as soon as they had him available, I bought one. So keep hope alive. Yeah.
1: That offensive strategy was atrocious uh, at letting Justin be Justin. When they went for that first down early on in the game, it was like a sneak, and they just didn't use uh, the full potential. Of Justin, I'm like, you know what? This is the same old Bears, not one nickel, Brandon Johnson. Don't give a nickel until they utilize Justin Fields' enormous talents to the full potential all right enough on sports uh i think stacy uh, has said as much as she's going to say about the bears uh and their stadium we're going to move on to other things so i had arranged this interview uh about a month ago stacy and this was long before story broke about uh where uh, you and your family had decided that your son should go to high school uh that story broke oh, I've lost track of time Uh, About a week ago, I want to say, I think I talked about it on a Friday. Anyway, about a week ago. uh, And uh, he's going to be a freshman at a uh, Catholic school and not a public school. And you have been hammered for the last five, six days. And as someone who likes you very much, uh, it hurts (laughs) on one level to see you get hammered. I do not know your son. I've never met your son, but I know a lot of people in your family. Uh, And so like a personal level, I'm feeling it. You're sitting in Karen Lewis's office, you told me. Karen's my ultimate friend. As they always used to say, that's your girl, Ben. And uh, so I feel this on many levels. Um, on the other hand, you sent your kid to a uh, private school, and that hurts the public school guy in me that loves the public schools and just wants to support the public schools in every way about your decision to send your uh, son to a private school. Go
0: ahead. I didn't make a decision. It's the ultimatum that's given to 92% of the families that live in my neighborhood, in my zip code. Um, look, there are like three buckets of this. The first bucket is that I'm a mother of three black children that I am raising on the south side of Chicago. And every decision that I make with my husband and my children about their future is uneasy. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult because I live, pardon me, we live in a neighborhood that doesn't have everything that it's supposed to have. Um, we live in a neighborhood full of black folks, and these black people are middle class. They're um, they are low income earners. They are working class earners, and we all suffer from the same lack of investment in this disinvestment has been generational disinvestment in the city of Chicago. Um, As you know, and I've talked about um, very fluently for a very long time, is that the impacts of segregation are felt most acutely within our school space. And so on the North side and the Amundsen attendance boundary, 42% of the kids that live in that attendance boundary in that zip code attend that neighborhood high school. That's wonderful. We want the same thing on the South side of Chicago. Beyond that, um, this intensity comes from a trigger. And this is where, you know, everyone else is concentrating on the headlines and what's happening in the news. I'm actually scared. Um, This is the first time in my life that this work has intimidated me um, in my personal protection. My son's likeness, his name, his location was shared on the internet. Um, They docs My son, a disgruntled former employee of the union I serve and have been serving for a long time, put my son's likeness there. He and his wife um, have been stalking my family, um, my family that lives out of state and my family that lives here. So while everyone else is concentrating on the sensationalized version of this, I'm trying to keep my children safe um, because this is the same right wing that does not accept the valid results of um, a presidential election. This is the same right wing that went into Nancy Pelosi's office and had a seat behind her desk and took photographs. This is the same right wing that is believed to have broken into her home and assaulted her husband. So while everyone else is, you know, making a statement on Stacy, the public figure, Stacy the mom, is having a very tough time understanding why um, my Black children um, have to also suffer through um, this too. Um, so it's, it's difficult. It really is. Um, the emails that are coming in to me. Which um, the staff at CTU they've been amazing because only a handful have gotten you know to me directly um, but they are they are insidious they are very clear in its threat the type of racism and gender discrimination, um, the type of disdain that is in written words for my family, the threats um, it, it does shake you. It really does. And I think that that's the point, right? Um, let's go after her son um, so we can um, get her to shut up. We can get her to stop leaving. Um, we can shame her into something. See, but this is what they don't understand about people like me. People like me literally have nothing to lose. I have overachieved for three generations in my family already. So this idea that I'm gonna covet something that based on the trajectory of black people, black females in particular in this society, like I'm overachieving. I appreciate it. Um, I'm gonna always be accountable and hold it well. And um, they don't just get to characterize the impact of segregation from a racist point of view. Um, one of the things that the right wing has taken hold of is this idea, um, that I said that school choice vouchers, um, is a racist idea. And for those people who don't know that I taught history before I started working for our union, they should know that when Brown v. the board of education was decided, um, the supreme court said with all deliberate speed," states around the union debated how to define deliberate and so when um, they were desegregating schools in the south there are spaces in the south that shut down their school districts Um, and when they shut down the school districts they offered vouchers to white families to attend the private schools in those uh, spaces, in those towns, in those cities. That's how we get to the modern concept of vouchers. It was a cudgel to integrating schools because the Supreme Court said with all deliberate speed, This idea that school choice has been a benefit for black children in this city is untrue Um, it has not in fact has made it more difficult especially um, for black families to figure it out black children in the chicago public schools have the highest travel time outside of their neighborhoods than any other demographic inside of the district as i said to you before only eight percent of the students who reside in my zip code attend its neighborhood school Beyond that, you have student-based budgeting. So after Ron Emanuel closed 50 schools in the city, um, they pivoted into funding schools based on school-based budgeting. And what that is, the impact that that has had is that schools on the South side, schools on the West side are receiving less money because only 8% of those who live in that neighborhood attend there. So that marginalizes the course offerings during the school day, and it marginalizes the opportunities for co-curricular and extracurricular activities. So there is outrage, but it's not just the selective outrage that folks wanna have, um, because we have learned to survive the impacts of segregation in this city. Is this perfect? Absolutely not. It's very imperfect and I've spent my entire adult life working towards this idea of equity and justice. And, you know, it is both disingenuous and it is both an evil trick of the right wing to make people think any different. Um, I'm not gonna trade ideas with people who don't understand the context of history and the fact of history. Again, these are people who support Ron DeSantis and his efforts to um, teach a very marginal, sanitized version of American history. Um, And so why would they provide any type of real life um, facts or truth to this? Um, But again, beyond any measure, um, my son, my children, my family, um, we are unprotected. That is the bottom line. Um, every news reporter, every leader, every institution that is reported on this, um, they have failed to say very clearly that the right wing and a disgruntled employee and his wife have put a teenage boy online to, to be doxed by people who have no ethical or moral compass, and that is unacceptable. And he did not sign up for that and ask his mother it is unacceptable he's off limits all three of my children are off limits
1: i agree with you on that point i really uh do not like it when uh children of public officials are brought in to use as a tool against the parents in an ideological battle uh i felt that way about lori lightfoot with her uh i think daughter I don't even know where the daughter went to school, but that was raised. Um, I felt that way about Rahm Emanuel uh, with his kids. Uh, fight with Rahm. I did all the time. Lead the kids out of it. I don't, the kids are no fair to me. And, and trust me, people try to get me all right. All kinds of things about Rahm's kids. And it's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Go to another reporter uh, if you want that. Uh, the counter is that uh, you've been very forceful. Uh, in your talks about uh, in the past and how you sent your kids to public schools. And so the people that come back to me when I say what I just said, they go, well, uh, Ben, uh, Stacy in the past has talked about her kids going to public schools. And so she can't have it two ways. She can't say my kids go to public schools. I can't have
0: it any goddamn way I want to with my children. See, that's what people think. My children are not political cudgels. My children are my children. And so this idea that someone outside of my household gets to arbitrate how I embrace, how I speak about my children, how I protect my children, they don't have that right or that ability. So that, 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 that is dead in the water to me. We can talk about school choice. We can talk about our union's voice on school choice. We can talk about vouchers. We can also talk about how, as the IFT vice president, I represent members who teach in private schools—the last school, the Latin school, the the Old Town um, folk, uh, uh, the school of folk music. I represent all three of those uh, memberships. Um, beyond that, we represent 30% of the charter industry here, right? So this idea that Black women and their children are unprotected in this country is is, is long told, right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back and forth about that. That is a line in the sand. It was crossed. Our safety has been breached. That is problematic and people can take their both isms to someone who wants to hear them. That ain't it for me. Now if people want a healthy debate about the origin and the impact of school choice on African American families both in Chicago and nationally, we can have that. And I can speak to that, right, both as a union leader and a black woman, but we will not discuss debate or banter about my children. We will not do that.
1: And that is an important point that you made about all these private schools that have unions with great union contracts. As I recall, the one time I did talk about uh, in a column about where Mayor is kid or where Arnie Duncan's went, where uh, Barack Obama sent her kids, what have you, I always did it in the uh, in the to make the following point that these schools had great union contracts and some pretty powerful union representatives who would send me emails all the time that were like to the even to the left of Stacey Davis Gates. So uh, that's an important point I would try to make that. Just because you have a union contract and a union workforce in a public and a private in any school uh, is not the is not the indicator of like what the test scores in that school will be. It's, it's, there's a lot of factors uh, that go into uh, school production and performance. And I will say this: other than a union contract, but that was the 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 tool that was used against the school. And I will say this: I'm looking forward to the Chicago Teachers Union making a broad effort to organize all those teachers and all those Catholic schools in the city of Chicago? Because Lord knows they could use a union too, right, Stacey?
0: Listen, a union is a healthy benefit for workers in any industry all the time. I will always talk about this, but when we're talking about public education in America, we are also talking about um, everything. Schools are a microcosm of the larger macro issues that we're dealing with in this country. And so the disinvestment in black neighborhoods where there are school deserts, then it's probably safe to say that there are grocery store deserts. It's probably safe to also say that there are healthcare deserts in the same place. And so what our popular American society says is that because I'm a strong black woman that I can both um, build a healthcare facility I can create opportunities at my neighborhood school. I can work because we can't be on welfare, um, a job to take care of my children. And I can track two buses to go to a grocery store. This idea that black people have to do more in Chicago and other urban environments is what is loud to me in this moment. The expectation That there is an investment, but we figure out how to make a way anyway. And that is the expectation of Black families in Chicago. So, while some Black families were expelled from the city because they tore down, because the powers that be tore down housing, because the powers that be doesn't make housing affordable, right? So, people are pushed out because of that. Their neighborhood school is gone. So, the conveniences are unavailable to them. And then there's this other, you know, um, bucket of black individuals who do have mobility because they can afford mobility. They do leave, right? They leave because they want it to be easier. My children don't participate in after school activities at their CPS school because they're marginal at best and 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 only resource to a certain extent, right? We're a part of the carpool to events after school or on Saturdays, right? And the activities that we do participate in, but we largely pay for activities outside of that. That is the problem. And that is exactly what this union has been pushing for and fighting for, for a number of years. Look, when you hear a nurse and a social worker, heck, librarian, right? So South of Roosevelt Road, I dare you to count the number of libraries that are staffed with a librarian that doesn't just hold books and that serve as a timeout room. The inequity, I shouldn't have to tell anyone about the inequity. What people expect from people like me is that we absorb the inequity and figure it out. Well, here we are figuring it out. I think it's past time that we cease figuring it out, and we make a demand just like other parents make demands in this city. Um, I know um, Mayor Pawar, years ago, 47th Ward, one of the things that he was able to do was compel his local community with parents and families, the school district and the city, to invest in Amundsen, to invest in Bond Student, to invest in the schools in the neighborhood so when the children didn't get into Lane Tech, the parents didn't have to move to the suburbs why is the story always different when we talk about the west side and the south side, right? If parents of North had the same dilemma back in 2010 and 2011, and people came to the table to help ameliorate that dilemma, right? How come we can't have the same for us on the south side and the west side of the city? Like I said, 92% of the families in my space their children go to schools outside of our zip code. That's not just my dilemma. That's the dilemma of every family in my zip code.
1: Yeah, now we're getting to the issue of choice, whether we uh, publicly subsidize uh, uh, exercising that choice. And I had conversations going back 10 years ago with the former state rep, Christian Mitchell. We used to argue all the time on this point. Uh, and a lot of the things that uh, you've said sort of have an echo of what Christian Mitchell used to say to me all the time, Ben, you don't understand, you're on the north side. Uh, People in my uh, district uh, don't have access to the same kinds of schools you have. We don't have the same choices in our public schools that you have on the north side. Uh, And uh, therefore, I support uh, uh, literally giving money to people or uh, to uh, institutions that offer an alternative to uh, what's uh, the, the public schools in the area. Do you have a greater sympathy for what Christian Mitchell was saying from back then based on what the decision you had to make in the last few months?
0: No, I don't have a greater sympathy for people trying to figure out this ultimatum. You use the word choice. I say ultimatum. When I'm making a choice, it's Frosted Flakes or Cheerios, right? Both are good. Both do the job. And when we talk about choice in my neighborhood, we're talking about this that isn't funded and that that isn't funded. Those are not choices, those are two spaces that have not received what it deserves for the young people who need to attend those spaces. That's not choice. The choice that we hear in headlines or in soundbites or in right-wing media doesn't, doesn't like exemplify or underscore what we're actually experiencing. You cannot say that it's choice When it doesn't offer an honors biology class or it doesn't offer a foreign language class or it doesn't offer um, algebra trigonometry or calculus right these are course offerings you want young people to have to be college ready right so if that is what we are trying to do then it should be there in both places and so if choice is really and truly Um, the definition of what's happening on the South Side, then I missed it somehow because the offerings are not well-funded. The offerings do not present itself to students in a way in which learning is both joyful, um, learning is engaged because we are struggling to make it happen. How are we fighting for librarians, right? And talking about school choice at the same time. So, again, you're choosing between two institutions that don't have libraries or librarians. You're choosing between two institutions where one has kind of a track program and one doesn't have a track program at all.
1: Yeah. I. Uh, do you? Is there any part of you that thinks that the public should finance or pay for schools uh, that have these kinds of programs that you just talked about, but that are not public schools?
0: What I would prefer is that we actually make good on our commitment and accountability to the schools that the public says is going to fund, and then evaluate that. Like, let's do an experiment. Let's actually fund the schools that the government is supposed to fund and see what happens. Yeah. uh... For one time in the history of Black people on the South side or the West side of this city, Let's fund schools at the rate in which is necessary based on the needs of those from that community. Let's fund that. Let's chart it and let's figure it out. And let me tell you one place that's doing it is Byler Elementary School on the west side of Chicago. In 2013, Rahm Emanuel's team put that uh, school on the school closings list. Through the grace of God and an awesome amount of organizing by that school community and our union and our community partners, that school came off the list through the contract negotiation, the last contract that Karen negotiated for this union. We got 20 sustainable community schools. Byler became a sustainable community school at that time. Byler is hitting the mark, every mark that the Chicago Public Schools uses to evaluate that school community. And you know what's different about Byler Resources. You know what's different about Byler Staffing. You know what's different about Byler. It invites the community to partner, it invites families to partner, right? It can be done. It just takes people, it takes money, it takes collaboration, it takes community, it takes effort, it takes intention.
1: I know, and I'm gonna, in addition, uh wave my uh public school flag here and i mean there's a lot of good school public schools in the city of chicago that offer a a vast array of uh, opportunities for kids i am just i'm thinking just off the top of my head kenwood and i'm just going to go on the south side not even going north uh kenwood lynn bloom Gwendolyn brooks i mean there are a lot of good schools.
0: So there are selective oh. enrollment and magnet schools, Ben, which belies the other thing. Name a neighborhood school. Again, in Chicago, choice means that I am taking a test, I'm involved in a lottery, or I'm just selected because my parents apply. I'm talking about the school where you can just walk down the street and attend because it's within the attendance boundary and all you have to do is show proof of address i'm not talking about the 50 11 things that you have to do to get into those environments because they have criteria right Go cps has criteria and what we have to evaluate are how many families that are left out and i would say this too I don't think that go CPS, the, the impact of that is just felt in the black community. I think the impact of that is felt throughout the city. But beyond the impact, we have seen efforts on the north side to blunt the negative impact. That's how you get Amison. And Amison is well situated. It's one of the schools that I enjoy going to because you can see high school there. Kids are outside in the courtyard, act well after the bell rings. Kids are inside of the building well after the bell rings. They're comfortable. Um, You hear the athletes down one hall. You see the other kids getting ready to go to a a student government thing in another hallway. You see high school stuff that I think I remember from years ago when I was a high school student. They have newspaper and yearbooks. They have all of these amenities at a neighborhood school. You don't have to apply. You can attend. You live in the attendance boundary. That's your high
1: school yeah no and uh, to your point about a mayor he did lead uh i gave him a lot of criticism for a lot of things uh he did go with that. well he did go with that uh he loved Ram a little too much for me just kidding mayor uh but
0: uh enabled him to get those things that he received because this is chicago and you know people playing politics is what rises to the top but what he
1: Yeah, what he did do, uh, he was the one who led the charge against charters on the north side. And he articulated a point of view that a lot of people had, and he expressed it uh, openly, and he got a lot of uh, politicians to sign on. No charters on the north side of Chicago. I remember that movement. I remember the public hearings. I remember when Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky came out for it, the only elected official, as far as I know, who didn't come out for it was a former alderman named Joe Moore, who used to be the alderman of the 49th Ward, fell in love with a charter school on Clark uh, Street and uh, just could not shake that love he had for the charter school system. Uh, but uh, so, Amaya, I give you credit uh, for that. And yes, I know, I know what you're talking about. Um, my uh, oldest daughter went to Von Steuben, and when you, <laughs> this is years ago, but to go into a high school in Chicago and a public high school, and they had The dances they had and uh, uh, all the sports, Vince Carter shout out, uh, and uh, the uh, like all the the newspaper and they had a film uh, program where they they made uh, movies. uh, The kids and they had a Academy Award night where they they showed all their movies and they gave out awards and stuff like that. Um, It was a great public high school. Uh, and it was open to people. But A lot of people came into LeVon Stupid from outside the community. There were people who came to LeVon Stupid from the west side and the south side as well. Uh, so they had that component going, too. So I know it's possible, but, uh, Stacy, what's happened uh, on uh, the south side of Chicago, the south side of Chicago, as you know, and the west side, too, it's to a certain degree, has been, been emptied out of people. And um, this is, I would say, the plan. Uh, and it's been a successful plan and there's like, um, a handful of thriving high schools. They are there of public high schools that have outstanding programs, but you're right. you, You cannot expect that if you just literally walk down to the local school, right down the street from you, that you'll get choir, that you'll get a theater program, that you'll get a, uh, uh a yearbook that there'll be a debate team that there'll be a chess team that uh you'll have a music program that'll produce herbie hancock that you'll have a a, uh, after school program uh that will produce the next great writers it doesn't exist uh i don't believe it exists in a catholic school either in my humble opinion okay but that's just me speaking and um It's just the city of Chicago has changed in that regard, and it's clearly made its decision that it does not want a large number of black people living in here. We emptied out of the city of black people, and now we're like at this moment where we might fill up the city with uh, asylum seekers. It's a decision the city of Chicago is trying to figure out right now. I watch these things.
0: You keep giving people decisions. These are not decisions. These are things wasted upon us, right?
1: Well, I'm talking about Abbott, the people that run the city, well, the powers that be, had a decision Abbott, and they made it.
0: Well, Abbott decided to send migrants to places that have been sanctuary cities. Remember, our sanctuary designation came with Mayor Washington right? So we've been sanctuary for a number of years. So that exists already. That's not a decision anyone made in modern times. The only people making decisions in this moment, both with the situation with my family and this migrant situation is the right wing. So let's be very clear. The people who are making decisions about how to harm people, the people who are making decisions about melanated folks and doing poor bad things to them, That is the right way in this moment. Governor Abbott, Red State Governor from Texas, he's trafficking human beings. That is what that is. And under any other circumstance, he should be arrested for trafficking human beings. These people are being put on buses and airplanes and sent to this city without any regard for their humanity. That is wrong. It is inhumane. It is
1: amoral. All right. We're going to get into uh, that in a little moment. Let's just finish the thought I had. I'm just going to uh, assert this defense of the public schools that exist in contrast to private schools. I believe, I absolutely believe, I still cling. I may be old and my time may have passed, Stacey Davis Gates, but I do believe in the public school model. I do believe in the notion that Uh, of a unionized uh, workforce, and I do believe uh, that there's nothing inherently deficient about a unionized public school system. I believe that is a character that has been created uh, by people who despise uh, teachers' unions uh, for a lot of different reasons, partly because they're the backbone of the democratic party. And so it's easier to defeat Democrats if you knock out teachers union. So that is sort of the overall political chess game that's going on. And I think that they will use you and this decision to hammer away at public education, at unions, et cetera. And that's just the reality of the political situation we're in. Uh, It's unfair and it's not right, go ahead.
0: But that's been the reality of the political situation we were in. I told you when Brown v. Board of Education was decided in the 1950s, in the 1950s, it took decades for this to be realized. Last night on American Experience, they detailed um, the, the violence and the trauma that Black children and Black families had to absorb with desegregating Boston schools, right? And 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 that was in the nineteen. When was that? Then was that 70s, in seventy six? Was no. that in nineteen sixty five? You understand what I'm saying? You know when it was. We all know when it was. Nineteen seventy
1: five.
0: Okay, so we we understand that this is not something that has been done, you know, within the last five minutes. This is something that is just as American as baseball and apple pie. The, the 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 quality of ultimatums that Black parents are given when they want to educate their children, when they want to live in neighborhoods that have resources, when they want to work on jobs that respect their dignity and their humanity, right? These are all the struggles that we've had. And I pose a very, um, you know, appealing figure for them because I am unapologetic in my blackness. I am a, unapologetic in the fact that I am a woman doing work and labor, and I will remain that way because that is just the reality of my experience in this country. And if they talk to black people in Chicago or in Baltimore and New York, or in any urban environment, they will know that the experience that my family is having The experience that 92% of the families in my zip code are having, by the way, is the same experience that many others are having everywhere else in this country. So the issue isn't just unionized public schools, right? John Fuchs, who used to run this union, was against uh, integrating even the union, much less our school community, right? So unionism has had to go through its own, you know, renaissance and, and, and reflection, too. So this is an issue for those who are melanated, those who have been placed on a particular wrong on this ladder we call society. So yes, and, and I want to make that clear, because the conversations that I'm having with Black families in Chicago is different from the ones that they're having on Fox News.
1: Uh, t- talk about that, but before the I, moment of history lesson, just a moment of history lesson before we follow up on that. Uh, everything you're saying about what went down in Boston was almost going down in Chicago, and in fact, the reason we have, uh, I, I don't know, I don't, what are they, I know that I keep calling them the smart kid schools because uh, you have to take a test to get in. Lord knows, Stacy, yeah, I would be selected, Roma. Thank you. I didn't know that. I would have, I would be and I say this all the time, I would be at such a loss if I were a kid coming out of uh, grammar school today. I was a terrible test taker, okay? I struggle with dyslexia my whole life. I cannot, For <laughs> I feel sweat just coming out whenever I think about a standardized test. My dear mother, may she rest in peace, she pushed me to get wherever I got, okay? So i know it all. A very relationable. If I came out right now, I would not be at Whitney Young. I would not be at Lane. I would not be at Jones, all those schools. So I say that.
0: Chicago are not there either. Okay. That that (laughs) wouldn't just be a consequence to you, that's a consequence to most kids. And if you're looking at those schools as well, there has been a decline in the number of Black children that are admitted into selective enrollment schools. That is also another trend that um, people are experiencing that look like me, that have those families, is that our children are not making the cut. in fact, they just get a letter sent the kids get, you know, their notification that they're not eligible. right? And so if you have a system that tells a young person, that they're not eligible that's not a good system especially a system that is supposed to prepare them a system that is supposed to nurture them a system that is supposed to provide them opportunities to practice to perfect and to perform and that's not happening south of roosevelt road that's not happening on the west side of chicago and this is generational and people have tried to figure it out up to and including moving out of their neighborhoods to make this work. This is ridiculous. Again, like I said, a man for a figured it out. He said, I am going to be in coalition with my community and build neighborhood schools so the people that I want to stay in the 47th Ward have an opportunity to walk down the street to the school or put the kid on the bus and go to school instead of moving into the suburbs.
1: Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to uh, finish my thought that uh, so instead of having a forced busing program, the city of Chicago in the late 70s and uh, the early 80s implemented a program. Uh, where they would coerce people, uh, and white people into going to school with black people uh, by having special schools, so like special enrollments in those schools, special curriculum in those schools, uh, and then it, then it evolved into uh, the selective enrollments. You had to take a test, and suddenly, like, oh, my God, it was a status thing to go to a certain school, and uh, so that th- what happened in Boston was like, it did contribute to what went down in Chicago. That was Mayor Daly, Old Man Daley uh, solution to it. Uh, for better or worse, and I'll just point this out. The great Lorraine Hansberry, one of the greatest writers of the 20th century, went to Englewood High School. I always tell that to people. Did you know that, Stacy? Uh, I did,
0: I was in the Lorraine Hansberry Theater at Englewood High School when Arnie Duncan came to close it. So yes, I do, I recognize all of this. These are my lived experiences. And so people, again, this whole trick of the right wing to change history and then to make teachers teach a false history is embedded in not telling the truth about the circumstances and the impacts that we have to overcome in this country, right? It is a fact that it has always been difficult for Black families to obtain a public education in this city, which is why former Representative Mitchell's um, comment resonated to Black families. Why wouldn't it, right? The public accommodation has been stingy, downright stingy to Black families, especially in the city. And so this idea of choice has a place because it has been closed because opportunity has been closed up. Here's the project though, the choice that was implemented in Chicago has only exacerbated what was already deficient. So even their experiment to introduce choice, to introduce privatized options, has also failed. What I'm saying, Ben, is that every solution that has been offered up until this point has been insufficient. And it is very clear to me how schools work because they work at Maine South, right? They work at Niles North, right? They work in places where it is funded and where those children have value. And they do not work in places where our children have not been assigned value and that there is not resources. And it's not just the school, it is the entire community in which we reside How is it that 92% of the families in my neighborhood, a neighborhood with um, teachers and principals, um, police officers, business owners, how is it that that neighborhood does not have what it needs? How? These are people who own homes, these are second and third generation residents of this neighborhood and they don't have what they need. That's
1: the scandal. All right, uh, I don't know if we're going to solve that in this uh, particular uh, podcast episode. Uh, so let's move on to the issue of asylum seekers. Uh, oh, man, I struggle with this on many, uh, in many ways, Stacy. But when uh, uh, Mayor Johnson was uh, at the Promontory uh, last week, shout out Promontory, uh, and you can hear a. Uh, recording of the interview on uh, in this podcast. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, okay. Stacey Davis Gates was not in attendance that night.
0: Uh, I kickoff for Graciela Guzman. Yes, uh, uh, she's yeah, she <laughs> running to replace uh, Christina Passion Baez, who is now um, first deputy uh, chief of staff to Mayor Johnson. So I couldn't make it across town quick enough. Sorry. Okay.
1: <laughs> Usually the excuse is so funny. Uh, cause that particular event was in Hyde Park. So usually excuse, I get people from the North. I don't know, Ben, that ah, going to Hyde Park is so difficult. Uh, so I, I'm getting it from uh, all ends here, but anyway,s was, even though I did save you a seat as you asked me to, and, um, she knew I was going to give her grief about that. So the question I posed, uh, to mayor Johnson is the one I asked absolutely everyone. And, uh, you already uh, articulated, uh, uh, how, uh, uh, Governor Abbott of Texas is, to put it mildly, up to no good uh, in what he's doing. Uh, yeah, to put it mildly, uh, I, on the other hand, don't see it. I, I see it. well. It's not going. He's not going to stop doing this at any time. Uh, in fact, uh, I think uh, Mayor Johnson agrees with me on this point, or at least he did on the stage, uh, that it'll probably increase as we head into 2024, especially as we get closer to that Democratic convention, which is when he, he Abbott, is really going to try to stick it uh, to Chicago and the Democrats. Uh, and uh, so I just flipped the uh, the script. I'm like, well, why don't we call this an opportunity? Why is this not an opportunity? And the question I put to absolutely everyone is, why is it? When Amazon wanted to bring its workers to town or the, Chicago joined every city in the country in fighting and bidding for the rights to have Amazon to build its uh, corporate headquarters uh, in Chicago or in whatever city was fighting for it. And we were offering untold billions of dollars in handouts to Amazon to bring them in and untold great swaths of land in the most high rent areas of the city. Why was that considered an opportunity that was worth billions of dollars? And this is considered a crisis. We can't get anybody to fund anything. I need to know. I need help on this one. Why is an influx of Amazon workers uh, an opportunity and an influx of asylum seekers a crisis? Why don't we see this as an opportunity? The city's population has fallen. This More people will be in Chicago. The school enrollment will rise. I don't understand why this is viewed as such a crisis. Help me out on this, Stacey Davis-Gates.
0: Well, because you don't have any public housing left in this city, and you don't have a lot of affordable housing. So let's just tackle that first, and then we can go into the schools where we don't have enough multilingual educators, staff in spaces um, that have space for young people. And then the space in the city that is available is because we've expelled Black people from the city because those spaces don't have a grocery store, healthcare, or, you know, an operating neighborhood school that's fully funded, right? So here we are. The people aren't the crisis. The crisis is the safety net that doesn't exist in Chicago. That's the crisis. The crisis is is that for for a little over a generation now that public accommodation has been whittled down to almost nothing. And public accommodation being marginalized and whittled down almost to nothing means that when people come here seeking refuge, safety, protection, opportunity, where do they go? Because where are the Black people who still are seeking the promise um, from their migrant experience? See, Chicago hasn't done this well. We just came off of a long um, conversation about what doesn't exist for Black families in terms of public education here. And now on top of that, we are bringing people into this city um, who need a lot of things. And what's available, right? You close 50 schools. Well, schools aren't available. Um, Housing, you tear the projects down. That's not available. Rent is high. Affordability doesn't exist. So the crisis is not the people, right? We'll always have uh, people seeking asylum. This is America. The issue is, is that the safety and the stability and in the infrastructure doesn't exist because those things haven't been funded or they've been defunded or they've been just x off the budgets, you know, entirely. So you have to do a couple of things at the same time. You both have to acknowledge that people are not a crisis, which I think is being done. You also have to acknowledge that there are immediate, short, and long-term solutions. And then there has to be a built-in sequencing. You cannot create public housing that doesn't exist within the first six months, because that's not how that works. And it is a fact that if those things still um, existed in this city, that perhaps, people would not be sleeping on the floor in police stations. listen the chickens have come home to roost on every education reform every school choice mantra every private public partnership scheme we are living the impact of the gross disinvestment of the public accommodation yeah. in this moment that's the crisis then
1: yeah I, I also uh i i i again i'll repeat this I hear what you're saying, and I've lived through it all. I remember in the 80s, uh, follow me in this, Stacey, I remember in the 80s, the business leaders of Chicago, they, they gave an ultimatum. Uh, I think Manfred Byrd was the, the, uh, the leader of the public school system then, that's ancient history. Uh, and they said, if you fire workers at the central office, we'll hire more uh, public employee, uh, Chicago public grads in our uh, corporations. That's, I'm like, why don't you just hire them anyway? What, what, <laughs> help me. Why I, is, contingent... you, know why. <laughs> you know
0: why, like, you know why, you know why we can be disappointed in it. We can be frustrated with it, but we know why these things exist. And when the mayor talks about a hundred days, he should be talking about centuries of oppression, exclusion, and segregation. That's the story. And how do a hundred days stack up to like centuries of oppression, segregation, abuse, and trauma?
1: Well, we can end it right now. Here you go. You got thousands of people being busted in the city of Chicago. So you have unemployed people on the southwest side. Here we go. A training program. Everybody on the southwest side who's unemployed, looking for a job, will give you training. Go to work building the housing that will uh, I,
0: for the- I'll give you one better. Make sure that Dunbar is training them. Make sure that Simeon is training them. Make sure that CBCS is training them. Look, I can double down on your vision of this and say that bring CTE back in full force. Don't only make it training and the opportunity for grown-ups, provide training for the young people who are in high schools now. That's how you also help to put People into neighborhood schools by offering real curriculum and program for them, but you got to invest in that. Yes, you, you have got to invest. To invest in it,
1: and you have uh, you're gonna have a whole new influx of of uh, Spanish speaking kids. All right, let's get Spanish in every preschool in the city of Chicago, including the black neighborhoods. OK, let's start teaching. Let's get black kids on the south and west sides to be bilingual. How about that? You know what? How about thinking outside of the box people for once in the city of Chicago? But the reality is, Stacy, they don't care about these people. And that is the answer to the story. That's why they view Amazon as an opportunity and asylum seekers as a crisis. But yeah, I think it should be an opportunity. People
0: are not the crisis. The crisis is that we have allowed for the wholesale shredding of the social safety net in a city that is sanctuary, that says we are sanctuary. And in fact, what I would say that if you have a sanctuary designation, you should have a budget designation and a way in which meets the needs of now. Look. We got a lot of stuff that is happening like right now in this city that will require a collaboration and a coalition unlike anything we've seen before. We have gone from pandemic to um, migrants coming in that don't have fill in the blank, right? And the lack of infrastructure that we had to address both of these things are a direct result of underfunding the public sector. Fighting with workers who tell you what they need. When we said we need more bilingual supports in schools, because we did in 2019, it sounds kind of like we were clairvoyant, huh? Because at the time, look, what people don't acknowledge is that we always have migrant families coming to Chicago. We have more coming as a result of this action that the right wing is doing on Chicago. Absolutely, we have more, and it is a fact that we 've always had them so if we 've always had them, what was that infrastructure? I can tell you that it was too marginal to even meet the needs of those uh families, and now we have more. We just need more. the government is going to have to step up and send more resources to Chicago. These are people, and these are people in environments that have been defunded when jeanette taylor um pushes back and challenges why the 20th war. she's not saying they're not welcome. She's asking us, how do you share zero? How do you divide zero? How do you subtract from zero?
1: You cannot. By the way, uh, we have to close this down because we've gone over time. But you said something I didn't follow up, and now I'm kicking myself. So you, you said the conversations you're having, I'm doing this from memory. I wrote it down, and I can't read my writing. <laughs> Typical me. The conversations you're having with black people a while ago.
0: No, I said the discussions that I'm having with black families are different than the discussions that the right wing is having out loud. Different from the discussions that reporters are having in this moment. Listen, if 92 percent. Listen to listen to this percent. Ninety two percent of the families in my neighborhood are going outside of my neighborhood. I am not the scandal. Ninety two percent. That's an overwhelming majority. So the next question should be for any thinking person, why, why? So can we talk about that? Because if we talk about that, then I have an idea that people will understand how acute the disparities are and how acute the need remains over generations. Mm -hmm. Black families should not have to participate in a hunger game to get their children educated in the city. And we've said that repeatedly, repeatedly we've said that. Karen said it, Jesse said it, and I'm saying it. And every contract fight, we get stuff to implement that helps it out. So I'll give you this last example so you can close it down in 2012 one of the um, outcomes from our contract fight was air conditioning in every classroom in the Chicago Public Schools. The first week of school, we had two school days where the temperature was over 100 degrees. So it seems like if you listen to the workers, it seems like if you listen to a coalition of community groups, families and students about the needs that they have, that they might get met and the way in which they need them. So in 2012, we fought for a thing that wasn't perfect and was still available in 2023.
1: Yeah, and that's a good place to close. And I'll close with this old man riff. This opening of schools in the middle of August is insane. We told them that too. I, It was insane when Vallis and Daly cooked it up. And look, this is what we do. We're just going to put them in a room and they're going to learn. The kids are like baking, huh? You ever been in the third floor of an old Chicago public school building? Oh my goodness. I used to teach him one <laughs> okay. in September and it was still hot. Oh my lord. I, I to, and then they go. Uh, they find, I don't even know. Have they have they actually air conditioned every school? Not
0: every no, the district will tell you it's every room. Our members will tell you it's not every room. <laughs> and and what we are finding is even when everyone flipped on the switch, if they all had an air conditioner. Um in their classrooms, and there were a, a grid issues with the electric inside of the school building. What it does is it exposes the facilities, um, the facility disparity as well. Um, and exposing that disparity means that we are in the occasion of where the district is making a 10-year plan for its facilities. Like, look, every inequity, every disinvestment or defunding scheme. Is being laid bare at this moment, and they expect me to be shy or ashamed of surviving it. Good luck.
1: Yeah, no, good luck on that one. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm going to blame this one on the suburban and the Catholic schools. They open. Oh, you guys started with the early stuff, and then the public school. Well, they're doing it. We have to do it. Well, if they're insane, why do you have to be insane? Makes no freaking sense. Only
0: Uh, 20% of our bus fleet is air conditioned. (laughs) And those buses have been earmarked to students who have uh, the greatest amount of need. Look, you can't make up the lack of infrastructure that these institutions have subsisted on over time. You can't make it up. Now, what we do have to do in this moment is address it. And we're going to be consistent about addressing it. We're still not going to shy away from it. They're not going to put duct tape on my mouth because they feel like they have said something. Look, it was never a secret. I get to make decisions in my household with my family. And I will continue to do that. And I will also continue to say that school choice has not been a panacea, was created by people who did not want to sit next to me in school. Those are facts. Those are historical facts taught in every other state except for Florida and Arkansas. Yeah.
1: And uh, by the way, you can't make up for a lack of infrastructure. You can't make up for a lack of common sense. Well, common sense. Just basic common sense. Hold off until after Labor Day, for goodness sakes. It's so eager to put these kids in a classroom and they aren't learning anything because they're baking.
0: Well, they also made up a term during the pandemic called learning loss. Listen, I'm going to say this: we keep allowing individuals who have not shown any regard for Black parents to make policy for Black children. If Black parents aren't in neighborhoods that are well resourced, why would we assume that the schools that they need to send their children to would have the resources? This is a wholesale disinvestment that we experience in this city, and enough is enough.
1: All right, so uh, I'll leave it at this. Listen, you and your family had a situation. You made your decision. That's your decision. God bless you. All of a sudden, if I hear Stacey Davis-Gates going, you know, Ben, it might be a good idea to start funding Catholic schools. Then I'm going to start giving you grief, Stacey Davis-Gates. Well, you ain't hearing that. <laughs>
0: okay. They got to start funding the public schools that they've established first. My My granny used to say, uh, charity begins at home, and then it spreads abroad. But if All you ain't right. taking care of home, you can't go outside of home yes. spreading anything. There you go. I need... So, no, um, like I said, the first experiment, the first project on black schools on the south side and the west side, and then let's see. right? Agree. Let's uh, try that. Secret.
1: And how about this one for a closing second? Public school versus a Catholic school for the championship. Football. Who are you? Gotta
0: leave for? me alone.
1: <laughs> Stacy answered almost every question I asked. I'll tell you who I'm rooting for. Hey,
0: it, it, on it, my baby is lining up now. Uh, oh, yeah.
1: I said football, okay? I said well, football.
0: You're American or European?
1: Valid point. Touche, Stacy. Delicious, smiling. She. I got a good one on him. Uh, all right. I pretty much always—I can't recall ever rooting uh, against the public school in the city of Chicago ever. And uh, but that's just me.
0: And you should root against them because the greatest amount of our students are in our public school system, and they deserve what they don't have. I spend—I spend a lot of my time going in and out of our school uh, communities in this city, and I am committed and on fire to work for the resources that they deserve. This is the mantra of the Chicago Teachers Union. I'm not stepping away from that. I'm not backing down for it. And in fact, the only thing that the right wing has affirmed is that I am quite effective at it.
1: And as long as you are, they're going to go after you. All right, Stacey, thanks so much for taking time to talk to me. We'll talk to you probably, I guess, we've we'll got you on a regular schedule. So I'll talk to you next month. Yeah, All right.
0: prepare for the troy- trolls to colonize this podcast.
1: Cause Jesus. Oh, I, I mean, they've been coming at me, Stacy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you think you're the only one? No, oh, your you. oh, your girl. Oh, your girl. I've heard um, a lot I, of that.
0: You know, I, no, I don't. Um, you know, that's the real scandal, that they, you know, exist without dignity. Or morality.
1: You know, whatever. It's, it's life in Chicago. It's how it goes. Nothing I could do about it. All right, Stacy. thank you so much. Also want to thank producer Chris for doing an outstanding job as he always does. And I think Stacy will agree with me. Producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody.
2: And remember, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and a whole lot more at chicagoreader.com. Follow Ben Jarofsky on Instagram at Benny J show and like, and subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.